Hey, it's Lufia. And it's Edgar. And welcome to the Minority Report podcast. This week, we talk Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, and Crazy Rich Asians. So, um, we were when we were originally planning this show, we wanted to do a Crazy Rich Asian special. We're only going to talk about crazy rich asians it is the movie right now it, it is, is the movie. the movie the movie right now but on tuesday uh quite possibly the uh biggest news story uh news stories of the year really um unless trump unless you know trump is removed from office this year happened god willing yes <laughs> um the mo- you know and this is it i was thinking about this um we talk about uh, Trump and the Russia probe and all the things happening around it so much. It is hard to put what happened on Tuesday in context and really sense the gravity behind it because we talk about it all the time um, that it's hard to really notice that this is huge. This is uh, the most meaningful turn in this whole um, saga that there has ever been. Uh, So Paul Manafort was, um, convicted on eight out of 18 counts um, of financial fraud, of tax fraud um, in relation to um, the Trump campaign. And then at the same time, um, actually two minutes prior, Michael Cohen um, (laughs) also uh, pled guilty to eight counts of campaign finance um, fraud um uh, to the FBI and this is huge this is massive um and it's kind of interesting the, w- the 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 way that it sort of you know uh went down for for both stories because um you had Donald Trump who came out in the defense of Paul Manafort um who uh, it was calling him a brave man and was saying that he was you know wrongfully convicted and then you had Trump turn on Cohen, which if you've been following this story is crazy because Trump has been one of Cohen's biggest champions. And the moment that Cohen turns on Trump, um, Trump has decided to go against Cohen. And he even tweeted out, he was like, if you're looking for a good lawyer, I suggest you do not retain the services of Michael Cohen, <laughs> which is the most hilarious tweet. Uh, but this might Mike- retain the yes, services of Michael of Cohen. Michael Cohen. But what's so uh, so damning about the Michael Cohen thing is it is the first time in U.S. history um, that a sitting president, d- while in office, has been um, accused of being an accomplice for c- campaign finance fraud. That is amazing. So do- you can't you, you can't say that Donald Trump isn't the first to doing things because. <laughs> He, he's accomplished quite a lot. I mean, he's the first to do a, uh, yes. a lot of things. Yes. Um, a lot of very poor, yes. terrible things. Yes. Um, so, you know, we had this whole episode about Crazy Rich Asians, so we, we don't want to spend too much time on this, even though it's what everyone is talking about, and it is so hard to get away from it because it is so significant and it is so serious. This is the first, We've talked about this for two years now, and it's always sort of been this sort of pipe dream, this Mueller investigation of the things going on. We sort of just think maybe one day, Tuesday was the day. This is the very first credible threat 
to Donald Trump's presidency. And you know what's so crazy? It has nothing to do with Russia. It is in a completely different thing, which is Michael Cohen paying off two women at the direction of the president. Um, yeah, this is huge. Olivia, when you saw these news stories, what what was going through your mind? What were you thinking? I mean, it's crazy. There's been so much buildup. Um, and I always think back to, like, like you said, it's hard to see the full scope of things. But mm-hmm. as I was driving back yeah. home from work today, I was thinking about it and I was like, well, shit. Like, this is something that for months the president was like, I know nothing about it. Right. Right. And then this tape comes out. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, uh, he knew yeah. everything. Yeah, and he pretty much. Who said, pretty much. You got to do it. Right. And now is completely, it's in completely turning. <laughs> it's you know when the first I remember getting that notification. Um, do you do you get news notifications on your phone? No, I don't. I'm you're trying- you're a good person. <laughs> You're a lucky person. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to keep my sanity. You're trying check. to live your life, and that's that's fantastic. Uh, I have, I have an iPhone, so Apple News just automatically pushes everything to me. I could turn it off, but I'm too lazy. Anyway, so I got that notification, and um, at first, like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, uh, this is happening. And then the Michael Cohen thing happened, and it all sort of snowballed. And I remember getting texts from uh, one of my coworkers who's like super obsessed with the Mueller investigation and the case and everything that's going on. And um, she's like the most realistic person about it though. And she was shocked. And I was like, Oh, Oh, this is serious. Like if she's freaking out, this is serious. And then, you know, you go on Twitter and uh, you go anywhere really. And you really start to notice the, the, the waves that this caused. And it's shocking. It's, it's amazing it is so wild to me that a president that we know is so obviously guilty. We can totally see it. We absolutely feel it and see it. But so far, nothing has linked him. Nothing has connected him. And it's been this sort of thing that we've just imagined, um, but no knew it was true. And now we have this credible link um, and we're in uncharted waters. Um, of course, the, you know, presidents have, you know, we've had Nixon, we've had, we've, we've had similar situations but not to this level and not in this case and not in modern day and i just i don't even know how to process it i really don't i'm kind of in shock it's like it's is it happening is it happening what are the next steps and i guess that's what everyone's thinking right now and i you know i would love to be a fly in the Mueller investigation the Mueller room to see what's going on in there because this these are the things we learned and that the public knows, imagine the things. That, that Mueller he, still has yeah, in that like he the has. hopper. Because this, this took a while to come out. It's yes. not like there it, is like there is a lot of due diligence right, that's right, done, right? right. Like it's, been two, can, it's been two years yeah. with this investigation. It's been a while. So I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a situation where it's going to be another long while before something comes out or if this is like the start of a domino effect where like right. one thing starts and then it just keeps right. going. Right. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It, I'm interested to see what happens. I don't even have the right word for how I feel. I'm just like anxious. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just want to know what's next now. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Trump and and what comes next, Trump has sort of um, rallied his people around him. He started attacking Cohen, as we've mentioned before. Um, But now he is, you know, now that now that there is this connection with a sitting president and a crime, he is a a co-conspirator like that. You can't. He's an alleged co-conspirator, and you can't shake it any other way. Now that this is established, Donald Trump is out here talking about impeachment because impeachment is on everyone's mind now. And Donald Trump is saying things like, you can't impeach me because it'll hurt the stock market. You can't impeach me uh, because it will be very, very bad for this country. Rudy Giuliani was out here saying, you can't impeach Trump. It'll be horrible for this country. Wow. Wild. It, d- that to me, I don't know what it's the sig- desperation. I don't know what that signifies to you, but to me, that signifies that um, impeachment is a serious thought that they're having. Yeah, I mean, the desperation is palpable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not sure because this is a Congress that has shown time and time again that no matter what the president does or says, right. they are like right. very loyal. Right. Um. Who knows? Even in the most like unhumane ways, but I wonder if there is like a thing. I guess if anything was going to be bad enough, it ha it has to do with money because they don't care about anything else. Um, but like, I don't I don't know if there's anything bad enough for the Republican Congress to be like, let's impeach him. Well, you know, the midterms are coming up. Midterms are coming up. Everyone, go vote. <laughs> midterms are coming up, and it. It is, you know, it, it is a huge win for the Mueller Pro, but it also is a huge win for Democrats because it is happening so um, close. close to midterms. I mean, we're like a month or two away uh, when true midterm, like when the midterms are in full swing. That is a huge, huge deal. Um, the the other sort of thing that people were talking about that um, could, is interesting. Um, so I, I think it was on Fox News. One of the jurors for the Paul Manafort case came out um, and was talking about the case. And this was a woman who is a uh, self well is a uh, Trump supporter, and, uh, you know, self proclaimed huge Trump fan. And she voted to convict Paul Manafort. So it's like a bit of good news and bad news. Um, and what was really interesting about this juror is what she was talking about. And she was saying um, that there was one juror who, number one, there was one juror who kept um, uh, Paul Manafort from being convicted on all 18 counts. And that's why it was a partial conviction and that he was only convicted for eight counts, which, by the way, um, he could still face, the, I mean, pretty much the rest of his life in jail. So these eight counts are still serious enough. And he has a whole other court case waiting for him in Washington, D.C. So, it's, yeah, it's not looking good. It's not looking good for Paul Manafort. But anyways, the juror was talking about how, um, you know, even though she's a Trump supporter, the evidence was so strong about pa- uh, Paul Manafort. And even though she truly wanted him to be innocent, um, the evidence proved he was guilty. And it's like, it's a bit of a good news and bad news situation because it's good news that this juror who's a huge Trump fan um, voted to convict uh, or, or chose to convict uh, Paul Manafort. But at the same time, she was talking about how um, she still, she doesn't think that this has anything to do with Trump and that uh, has nothing to do with Russia. And she oh. still thinks it's totally unfair oh, baby. and it's a witch hunt on Trump. So it's like, 
I'm happy you convicted Paul Manafort, but at the same time, uh, open, like, come on here. Open, open your eyes. But it's kind of good because it's like, at least if you present someone with evidence, it's like undeniable, you know? Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. So it's like, it could be if good. If you present this one person with evidence. Right. It, it could be good or bad. But, uh, you know, I have a feeling that there are a lot of people. And which, by the way, a self-proclaimed Trump fan on that jury, that should not have happened. Yeah, I don't know what's like, going on here. That's terrible. Whatever. Besides the point. point is he was convicted. But, you know, I, I don't know. It, it brings me a little bit of hope, but I'm still, like you, I'm uneasy. I'm a little bit nervous, but... Um, yeah, that was the news the, uh, this past Tuesday. Huge, huge bit of news. Uh, we didn't even touch too much on the Michael Cohen situation, but that's uh, the most damning for Trump also because massive. it's that connect. It's that con- it's the link. It's that link. And that might be, you know, um, uh, we, we've talked about this many times, but it may not even be the Russia probe that brings down Trump. It might be, one, his obstruction of justice, but two, these unrelated cases. The dude is walking uh, a, a, a walking criminal just breaking the laws left and right. Like so, there's so much to get him for. Who cares about treason yeah, when there's yeah. campaign finance? Exactly, exactly. Um, but anyways, this is something we will definitely keep our eye on, and we will return to. Uh, but we had to talk as about if we it. haven't been already. Every week is just like the Russia probe. It, it, the, exactly, and it's it's only ramping up, and that's a good thing. I I think I don't know. I'm still I'm still you know a, a little cynical and hope you know hope that it all works out but it might be one of those things where you get all this stuff and he's still not impeached or he's impeached but he's not removed (sighs) we'll cross that bridge when we get there um moving on uh let's talk about some good news um some more good news um alifia tell me something good so america's sweetheart simone biles oh oh okay okay well, who are you thinking? Who are you I, thinking? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you I don't know. know. America has a lot of sweethearts. America does have a lot of sweethearts. <laughs> I'm Kelly talking Clarkson. about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm talking about Simone Biles. Okay. Gymnast extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Um, just all around sweet person, seemingly from Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. Mm-hmm. Um, came out of retirement. Mm-hmm. And went to the U.S. National U.S. Championships, so National Gymnastics Championships, and snagged literally every single gold medal. Damn, that's right after she came out of her hiatus. That's amazing. She took like a year and some change long break. Uh huh. She was like, "I won all these gold medals at the Olympics, and now I'm going to chill." Damn. And then she came back like a month ago. Wow. And like. Sweeped the competition. Wow. And when she started talking about her performance, she's like, eh, I'd give myself a B. A B plus. <sighs> Damn. When you're so fucking <laughs> awesome at what you do that even you're like... Uh, a career defining performance for anybody else that wins you all gold medals and you're like eh, just a pretty average performance for me so that's amazing that is a flex right there but yeah she i i just love simone biles and yeah i, I was gonna great. say dang that this is interesting you selected this i didn't realize you're yeah. such a huge fan that's, i love simone biles i'm not like a big gym fan but i'm a big her fan okay okay you know yeah i can i can get behind that that's awesome like a cool smart girl and she won a bunch of gold medals that's awesome how how old like literally she's 21 she's a baby but is it is it one of those things where in 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 the gymnast world 21's like ancient (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know if it's ancient, but I feel like in any sports world, once you start getting to the mid twenties, is like you're getting old. <laughs> I well, I mean, no, I I, I feel like uh, at least for like major sports, um, major male sports, it's like thirties. Like you're you're in your thirties, yeah. you're ancient. But I've heard, you know, that like in the Olympics, once you, uh, except for like Michael Phelps, who's like this crazy man who's been he's like thirty eight or whatever, and he's like winning gold medals. But it's like once you pass, you know, like you were saying, the mid twenties, it's like you're ancient, and that's yeah. that's interesting. That's uh, I guess your body just gives out when you're putting it under so, so much, much stress. stress. Yeah, that's wild. That's a crazy, crazy. But thing. yeah, I just yeah, you're 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 hyped for. I hype for Biles. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, All right. well, cool, awesome. Well, Edgar. Yes. Tell me something good. Okay, I have a super awesome story. Um, that made me really really happy. So, um, Olivia, are you a big science fiction? um reader fantasy reader novels or anything i do love sci-fi and okay. fantasy but okay. admittedly have not been reading much as of late okay no i mean of no worries no wor- that's true me too i need a i need to start that yeah up. i need to kick yeah kick back up we should make a book club we've been talking we've been threatening book clubs for a long time we should just do a book club we, we segment just, on this show we just need to do it um Okay, so anyway, speaking of uh, sci-fi and fantasy novels, the Hugo Awards, uh, the most prestigious awards that you can give to a sci-fi and fantasy novel. I mean, like, you know, and they've been, these awards have been around since the 50s. You know, your greats like Ray Bradbury have won them. It is a huge, big deal. And these most recent awards are very historic for a lot of reasons, but the main one is that... um, N.K. Jemison. It's kind of a it's kind of a hard name to say when you read it out loud because of that uh, that middle eye. But anyways, N.K. um, has done something totally amazing. She is the only person ever to three peat back to back consecutive uh, Hugo Awards. Hugo N.K. Yeah, for her uh, Broken Earth trilogy. She most recently won for her book, um, The Stone Sky. Now, have you heard of these books before? No. I've seen the cover. You know what's so funny? I saw the covers. You know, I've probably seen the covers. But I didn't I didn't sort of re- uh, put it together or what it was. Um, we should read it for a book club. But that, uh, it, it sounds really interesting. Uh, I don't have the synopsis in front of me, but... Uh, it's about like a post-apocalyptic world, and it's like there's these different storms and seasons, and people have to learn to live within it. It's it, it sounds fascinating, but anyways, she won for the third time for the third installment in the series. The first time that's ever happened. But what's so extraordinary is one, she's a black woman, um, and when we're talking about sci-fi fantasy, you don't think one, uh, uh, anyone of color, and two. A woman you think a white pasty male like that's who you think when you think of sci-fi and fantasy writers uh but she just proved everyone wrong and there was a huge campaign against her by the right-wing movement we've talked about gamergate we've talked about nerd culture and this sort of strong right-wing uh, um sort of little arm of it that has been able to get away with some pretty serious, crazy things, um, especially in the movie industry. We've talked about James Gunn and that situation. But here, uh, the Hugo Awards, Buck That, awarded NK, and that's amazing. I think that is fantastic news, and it's coming off 
a years long campaign to promote um, diverse voices in sci-fi and fantasy. And I love that. I'm a person of color and I love sci-fi and I love fantasy. Um, but sci-fi and fantasy is almost exclusively written uh, from the point of view of a white male. And it's like, yep. I want something a little bit different. And that's awesome. That just made me so, so happy. And it's great that we hear about all these industries who refuse to give people of color a chance, give give them a chance. But here, at least in the sci-fi fantasy industry, um, there's an actual change and an actual movement happening. And it's only, it seems like it's only making that community so much stronger and so much better. And it's like, look, it works. Like, come on, people. Let's let, let's get going with this. Um, so congratulations to NK. I think that is fantastic news. Uh, Olivia, let's let's read these books. Let's let's get on. Let's this. do it. Book club. Book it's happening. Book club. Uh, yeah, listen, everyone, go read the first installment of the Broken Earth trilogy. We'll and, come back in a month and, and talk we'll about come it. back in a month and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we return, we are going to talk about crazy rich Asians. <laughs> Edgar, you and I had a little friend outing yesterday. Yes. We went to go see... Friend outing. (laughs) We went to go see the ultimate date movie. (laughs) Yes. So we did go go to see a rom-com together because we wanted to talk about it today. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We, of course, saw the movie that's on the tips of everyone's tongues these days. Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. The movie. This is the movie. The movie, the movie, based off a book by Kevin Kwan, Mm -hmm. who actually optioned the rights to this movie for a dollar to make sure that the right people were behind the movie. Because apparently there was talk of like having a white protagonist. Jesus Christ, of course. (laughs) A fucking course, dude. God damn Um, it, dude. So he opted the book for one dollar to make sure that it the integrity stayed. Yes. Yes. So I'm gonna talk some synopsis. Some stats, some casts, okay. and then we'll get into we'll... our spoilerific review. Yep. All right. So, Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. follows a native New Yorker, Rachel Chu, mm-hmm. who um, gets invited by her long-term boyfriend Nick to go mm-hmm. to his best friend's wedding in Singapore, well, mm-hmm. where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, she's excited about visiting Asia for the first time. Nervous about meeting his family. And Nick has left out a very key detail. It's it's almost we, I, it's almost unbelievable that you wouldn't a Chinese right? economics professor wouldn't, wouldn't know. But like, anyways, okay, wouldn't catch this. Yes, but anyways, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yes, but Nick has apparently left out a very pivotal detail of his life, which is that he's part of one of the wealthiest mm-hmm. families in Singapore. Right. He's part of like this real estate dynasty right right um and is also one of the most sought after bachelors in Mm -hmm. the singapore social Mm -hmm. scene Mm -hmm. and so basically the movie is about her interacting with a this new world this is her first time in asia and b trying to figure out the family dynamics and get Mm -hmm. through the troubles especially Mm -hmm. nick's difficult mother yes it is the classic you know rich man poor girl story or or vice versa but here rich man poor girl um but with an all east asian um all east asian cast which is huge directed by john Mm -hmm. chu Mm -hmm. uh starring 
the love of my life, Constance Wu. Uh, uh, get in line. <laughs> <laughs> love of my life. <laughs> yes. As Rachel Chu, yes. um, Henry Golding, a relative newcomer, yep. as Nick Young, but he was great. Um, Michelle Yeoh as Eleanor Sung Young, Nick's mother, mm-hmm. Gemma Chan as Astrid, Nick's also, cousin. I'm also in love with her. Also in love with her, yes. yes. And Aquafina. Yes, Aquafina. Rachel Chu's college friend, Peeklin. Yes, yes. And there's, there, it's a huge cast. Those are just like the top billing, but there's like... Ken Jong's in it at yeah, some Yeah, Ken Jong's in it. There's like um, 30 people in it. It's oh, yeah. crazy. There are so many people and it, in this movie. It, and it's so refreshing to see. I, I mean, and that's the story behind this movie and the reason we're talking about it because this is a movie about rep- – really, it's like who cares about the movie? It's about what it means, the movement, right? And that's sort of something that Constance Wu has been saying. This isn't a movie. It's a movement. And the topic here isn't even that it's a rom-com, that it's this like lovely little movie – is that it is a huge uh, um, moment for representation in Hollywood and especially uh, for Asians and for Asian Americans, for East Asians who historically have been, uh, you know, portrayed so horribly in Western media, especially. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just I think we think back to Mickey Rourke Mm -hmm. in that one movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. There's so many Bre- terrible Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. It's it, it, it's been a time. Um, it's been it's, a time, and it's only been since night. It's been over a decade. 1993 is when we last had a an all, all East Asian cast for with the, a Hollywood movie. Yeah, the Joy Luck Club, right? The, exactly, and that's yeah. that's wild to that think was, about. That was two decades ago, y'all. Right. That was right. a real long time ago. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, like, I think another layer is Asians being seen as romantic leads is not a thing you see at all. Absolutely. In American Absolutely. media. Right. It's um, very rare. I mean, it is super duper rare. Remember when Jackie Chan kissed Jennifer Love Hewitt and it was like a huge thing? Oh, yeah. And we were expecting more, and then nothing ever came or happened. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, but we have this movie, so we have this movie I know now. We're, we're all sad. But now we have this movie. Uh, so the film has been met with critical praise. Yes, people love it. People love it. Um, it did pretty well at the box office. Yes, thirty-five million. It did its um, whole budget. Which it did is its whole fantastic. budget and then some, which right. is great. Yes, I mean, um, it's, it, obviously, it's not like blockbuster money. Yeah, but it's a rom com. But it's a rom exactly, it's a rom com. Yeah. And it doesn't have sort of the appeal of a lot of big, big names. You right, know? Right, right, like right. Constance Wu is big in a niche way. Aquafina's right. big in a niche way. Um Henry Golding's a relative like he's a relative newcomer. So it's not right. a it it's not a it's not a star vehicle in any sort right. of fashion. Right. Right. So the fact Although that it's, it's an excellent cast, but excellent yeah. cast. But it you know it didn't have a it didn't have a chris in it (laughs) right exactly it didn't have exactly exactly um Um, but what's so awesome about these types of movies especially when they hit and and we're so grateful and happy that it did hit is that it makes stars like these are the types of movies that make a star 
And now way more people know who Constance Wu is Fucking way than I before. I love Constance um, which, And she was already on the rise. We had uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which is a show I love and Fresh adore. Fresh Off the Boat's so good. It is so good. And she's just so amazing. And she's been in, in, in other things. But I was, I was actually looking back at her career, and it's really interesting is that she's a woman in her mid-30s. And when most actresses are uh, of her age have been in the industry making it for over 10 years, she's now only sort of building Starting up. Starting to... Uh, which, again, highlights this issue of representation. And that is a that is a common problem for women of exactly. color in Hollywood. Exactly. They do not get the recognition they deserve right. until later on in the careers. I mean, right. the biggest example I can think of is Viola Davis, who right. is like literally the best actress ever. Right. And didn't get near the level of acclaim that she needed to until her mid late thirties. Right. Um, but yeah, time, not that it's bad. If you're in your thirties and no, making it, that's of course. Like, John, just, John Hamm didn't get famous until he was like almost 40. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> but anyways, but like, you know, that also goes to show you can be in the industry for a long time. Right. And like, if you're a woman of color, it just takes so much longer exactly. Exactly. to get to a place where you're finally getting the recognition that you may have Absolute. deserved all along. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But it's not just a film. It's a movement. Times are changing. Um, we have so much representation, Asian representation on TV now, fresh off the boat. Um, I watched the Netflix movie To All the Boys I Loved Before yes, that has yes. a Asian teenage female lead. Mm-hmm. That movie is great, by the way. It is also very cute. I watched that and Fresh I watched that and Crazy Rich Asians in the same week. And I was like, oh man. That's awesome. So much so much feel good. Awesome. Um so before we get into our spoilerific review, what are some yes. general thoughts? I loved it. It is it's such a fun movie. And not only is it a fun movie, it is a feel-good movie. And there are so many opportunities for this movie to fail and fall in its face. Um, but it didn't, and it handled itself so well. I mean, I'm, I'll go out and say it. it's not a technically great, fantastic movie. We're not talking about like a, like a When Harry Met Sally type of level romantic comedy that stirs these emotions inside you. You're not leaving the theater crying and feeling all these things, but it doesn't matter because that's not what it's trying to be, and that's not what it is. Um, and that's what uh, I think is what made it so successful and so awesome is that it just wanted to be its own simple little a wonderful rich rich man poor girl story you know and it worked really fucking well um and i loved it i absolutely adored it and it made me emotional at the end when uh, there's this mandarin version uh well actually no i'm holding okay i'm holding i'm holding back because that might be a spoiler that might be a spoiler but it's a it's a wonderful wonderful movie yeah i mean there were definitely some moments in the movie where i got emotional but like I just thought it was so fun mm-hmm. and so cute. I like so literally cute. the Too entire cute. time I was like, this is the cutest fucking movie I've yeah. ever seen. Too cute. This is so cute. This Too is cute. so cute. This is so cute. This is so cute. Um, How cute is it? Just, just so cute. Uh, there have been criticisms of this movie, though. Yes. Um, there has been a lot of talk of the appropriation of black culture and hip hop culture. Um, yep. also some of the casting has come under fire because there are, um, while East Asian actors, this movie is about, is particularly about Chinese people right, ethnically and Chinese people, ethnically Chinese people. And there are 
a lot of the cast, not a mm-hmm. lot, but a few members of the cast are not Chinese. Right, right. Um, and that brought up some criticisms. And there's also sort of a lingering higher level criticism of, okay, you're only showing this one side of Singapore. You're only showing like right. a East Asian, Chinese, ethnically Chinese you know, predominance, even right. though Singapore is a lot of things. And like right. you can see glimpses of like South Asians in the movie mm-hmm. that kind of gives you a little sense of like, okay, there might be more diversity here, but they're all, they're shown as like service roles. Right. And it, it is super microscopic to the story. And that yes, it is. It, it's just about this one family. Right. So it's just going to be right. 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 Chinese people. Right. Um, but all in all, like, s- such a big boon for, right, right. you know, Asian think, representation. Right. And I think it's just going to – I hope from here on out there's going to be more and more and more and more and more. Absolutely. More. It, it, this is one of those situations where um, the net positives outweigh some of these negatives, at least in my opinion. And, of course, I, I have no dog in this fight. Um, but overall, it sort of seems, at least uh, out there in the world of you, sort of to take the pulse, that the positives here are so great and it will have a meaningful impact. And not only will it have a meaningful impact, we're already seeing it right now. This movie's getting a sequel. And there's talks about the third installment. Apparently, this is based off a trilogy of books. That's already three movies with predominantly um, East Asian actors that we didn't have before that didn't exist before. And now they are coming to fruition because they chose to release this movie theatrically, which is another thing we didn't even mention. Oh yeah. Netflix offered to make this movie and they said no. They respectfully were like, that's amazing. Thank you. But we're turning it down because we want a theatrical release, which is a meaningful thing. And of course we can have this whole debate about, does it really matter? Cause theater is dying. That's a whole other conversation, but for the time being, it is super, super meaningful. Um, but there, it's still, it's still the line there. Like right. I think in media, there's still the line there, exactly. especially with movies. Like there's sort of the above the line you get a theatrical release, right. and below the line, like you're on digital, and you can do super well on digital distribution. Sometimes even better than a theatrical release. Right. But it's still sort of like a below the line. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's, there's still that sort of stigma, and of course, it's changing. Every day. It's changing every day, but that's just sort of the industry that it is right now. But, yeah. of course, that will change. Um, I do think it's important uh, to mention those criticisms that you uh, talked about, though, because it, they are significant. They're and important. They, and they are important. Because those are roles that were written to be Chinese that could have gone to Chinese actors. Right. So I think it's important to point those and, things out. And it, and it can get tough. And I know this, you know, whenever um, there are movies about uh, Latinos or Latino actors, a lot of times you'll see people who are Colombian playing Mexicans or a lot of people who are Mexican playing Puerto Ricans. And there's sort of this ex- cultural exchange that sort of can happen. Um, and, and for some people, it can be very hard uh, uh, for them to accept it and for others they sort of realize maybe you know it, it's not ideal but it is a way to tell the story and this is a re- you know Benito del Toro is a recognizable face and actor and he's playing a Mexican even though he's Puerto Rican you know what I mean like yeah it, it can get really tough and really uh, um, it, it not to negate any feelings and again this movie um, absolutely should be called out on those things and hopefully they can do better for the sequel you know but the positives I think still are so great here that it's just making a lot, a lot of people happy. And that sort of is a great, great thing. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about though, is this sort of um, the movie's called crazy rich Asians. And it, 
it definitely glamorizes wealth in a way that oh yeah you know it's fine when you're watching a movie but when you really sit there and think about it you're like whoa that's kind of actually messed up like some of this is not okay a lot of it is you know what i mean Uh, and and i've seen some people talk about it um and it's sort of like you know uh especially here in the u.s where we sort of glamorize the rich and, and aspire to it um it can sort of just be forgotten but um definitely something that needs to be mentioned um but over i mean overall wonderful movie all right yeah. So, if you're listening and you haven't seen this movie, please pause. Yeah, go. what are you doing? Go watch this movie. And like, what's wrong with you? Go watch Crazy Restrations. <laughs> go watch it. we're about to get us into the spoilers. Okay, yes. Edgar. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. What was your favorite part of the movie? <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so for me, it was the... Okay, number one, this movie had probably one of the most gorgeous wedding scenes you will ever see in your whole life. And I'm a helpless romantic, and I was, like, about to cry I at this wedding. I was literally sitting there, like, I... It was so beautiful, so gorgeous. That was probably uh, my favorite part, especially because they cut to uh, uh, Constance and um, uh, what's what's his, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Nick, Nick, and whatever. Yes, uh, I was thinking of the character named Nick. Yeah, Nick Young, and they're looking at each other and they're like, "I love you, and I can't be without you." And I'm like, "I'm about to cry." This I mean, like is the so entire wedding beautiful. scene, like it wasn't their wedding, but yeah. it was about them. Right, right, it was right. Great. Oh my god, I was like, <laughs> they were just looking at each other the entire. time. I was time, about to die. And I they love loved that. Each other I so love much. that. Um, and then I also really, really love. Loved um, uh, the Mandarin cover of Coldplay's Yellow, which just made me so fucking emotional. And I was like, oh, my God. And it's like it's a play on words. It's a play on like the themes of the song and all these things. And it was so perfect at the end of this movie. And it just makes you so emotional. Um, I I loved it. I I thought I thought that was just fantastic and great. Um, Olivia, what was your favorite part of this movie? So. The wedding scene was probably my favorite. I yeah. am not a hopeless romantic. I am not an emotional person, but that was like a moment Feel where I was like, things, oh my Olympia. God, yeah. I'm not a robot yeah. melting my cold, icy heart. Yes. Um, and I also <laughs> loved when they first get to Singapore, they do a whole showcase oh, yes, that was of awesome. like all of these food vendors and there's like it it is literally one of those things where like they put culture shock into a movie yeah because they go to this market and they like everyone's speaking a whole bunch of different languages and they have a whole bunch of different street foods and like it's just a it's just friends sitting around and eating all of this delicious ass looking food and i just love that i thought that showcase was really nice and i thought it was like a really nice intro to like I thought it was really nice because it was like, oh, his friends are normal. And then you like it's a slow sort of dive into the crazy rich Asian world. Right. Right. Exactly. Which I thought was really fun. Yeah. And there was just the uh, I, I got to say all the actors delivered. They were fantastic. They were great. Um, you know, um, you know, Aquafina. Was one of the standouts. Uh, um, Kim Jong plays her father, who was also uh, a standout, a sort of cameo appearance. Um, But, you know, they had um, some great roles here. And it was like a star-studded cast. And they all just sort of ate it up. But Constance Wu, she's a fucking rock star. Like, she is... I love her. She needs to be a huge star. And she will become a huge star. because. in love what with her. a leading lady she is the core of this movie um I, I don't have a lot of criticisms of this movie but sort of one of them for me was that um we didn't spend a lot of time or at least enough enough quality time with nick as a character and um, we spent a lot of time with constance and, and it's her story so it, it makes the most sense and you feel for her the most 
but I was just like, I want, you know, I, I want more of her. I don't, I, I almost don't even, he's almost like, just whatever. He, he's almost whatever. Um, so, you know, maybe that could be a fix in, in movie two, sort of, uh, flesh him out a little bit more. Um, but uh, again, very minor criticisms here. What are some sort of criticisms that you mm. have of this movie? I mean, I think like you're in a relationship with a dude for a year and a half and like you don't realize. Yes, there's a lot of things you f- you have to forgive in this movie. A lot of things that like make no of, sense. Yeah, it's a, I think it's just like rom-com logic, you know? Yes. That you have to like sort of exactly. assume under. But almost to an extreme level. I'm like, so, some of this I'm like, really? Like, come on. And it's one of the other things I sort of felt about this movie was that there's no real struggle. It's all so feel good there are some you know setbacks and some terrible things that happen i don't know i really felt the family struggle like i think as there wasn't enough we need more no not at all this this was the easiest movie this was like bang bang okay we're good everything happy ending like that's that's what it is it's a feel good movie i don't know i really felt for her with the family struggle i think because i've had so many friends like i think just in Across Asia, like something across Asian cultures is sort of the whole you're never going to be good enough for your in-laws. Uh-huh. And like it's a cycle. That's, that's a universal thing. <laughs> I mean, yes. But like it's a it's a weird cycle that like perpetuates on itself. Right. Almost. Right. And it's it's interesting because like the Asian mentality, like at least for the South Asian mentality of looking at like you're the way they talk about family felt mm-hmm. like very familiar to me. Uh-huh. The way they talked about sacrifice and giving stuff up to have a family and like right. whenever you, especially at least in South Asian culture, like I think it's still the dominant sort of mindset that whenever you get married, you stop being a part of your family and you become a part of your husband's family. Like that transition, there's a break, there's a start. Right. Like whenever you're going home, you're going home. Like whenever you're going back to your parents' house, you're going as a guest almost. And so I, I don't know. There were part, I think, that's, I, I think they covered all that pretty, pretty great. Yeah. In this movie. I thought they covered that. I yeah, think they covered absolutely. all of it really, really well. And I like I really felt for her because it was like she was trying so like she was a she's a economics professor at right. NYU. She's supposedly like the youngest fact like the youngest right, staff right, professor, right. right? She is a super accomplished lady. Yeah. And still not good enough. Right. Right. Like it was wild. Yeah, I mean... I, also, I, she's Constance Woo. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not... All that was fantastic. All that was great. I'm saying there wasn't enough story beats. It was literally, oh. you're not good enough. Okay, let me uh, go. Okay, everything's kind of okay. Oh, actually, you know what? We looked into your background, and then she goes away, and then it's literally a montage for, like, yeah. two days, and then it's all back to being good. There wasn't that struggle, and especially from Nick. You'd never see... All you see is literally one shot of him making phone calls. And that's it. And then he proposes. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this movie didn't have those beats in it that would make it a emotionally stirring and powerful movie in that way. But again, it was a feel-good movie. So it it doesn't really matter that way. I'm not... The whole family aspect I thought was done beautifully. I don't know. I really felt for her. And like... Yeah, absolutely. I guess I was more forgiving of the whole like... I... Because it It was too easy. Yeah, it wasn't like a. It wasn't a movie that was focused on like her and Nick's relationship. It was a movie focused on her and Nick's mom's relationship, at least from the way I was seeing it. I mean, it was constantly his movie, but it's her movie for sure. Yeah, but like it wasn't. It wasn't about like 
her and Nick's relationship. It was about her and her agree. relationship to Nick's world. It, it, it was, it's almost like they they're like, yes, the, the, the rich, rich man, uh, poor woman story is the formula that we're following. But really, it's almost like a fish out of water story. Yeah. Um, and that was really fascinating and <gasps> interesting about it. The fish. Oh, yeah. The, the fish. fish. Exactly. Exactly. The fish. Um, oh. Yeah. I. I I mean, again, those are super minor criticisms because you don't really care about that stuff when you're watching this sort of feel-good movie. You don't really care about that stuff. You just want to see something uh, that makes you feel good at the end. And this made me feel awesome at the end. One super kind of awkward thing. I don't know how you felt about it. Um, I didn't even ask you about it. There's this whole like subplot about um, Astrid who is, um, I think his cousin or... His cousin. uh, Yes, his cousin who... Uh, also married a commoner um, who is cheating on her. And I thought the way it was handled uh, could have been a lot better. I almost Mm. felt like if you were going to do this, like you should spend way more time on it, developing it. Um, I, yeah, I do. It was a little awkward. I do wish she was developed. Like I wish she was also developed more as a character. I don't really care. Like her husband. All right. I get who, like I get that. But I like they spent time. They didn't. They spent like a medium amount of time with her. They didn't spend enough time with her for me to like right. really get like right. super heavily invested. And it wasn't like she was removed. So yeah, I wish they had gone further into that. They basically established her as like she's a socialite and she's fabulous right. and she's all these right. things, but she's also so nice. Um, and then that was like it. That was her character. Right. And right. it was just like, oh, how could this terrible thing happen to such a nice lady? Well, and it's sort of, uh, I feel and that's like all she was. Though. Right. I feel, I have a feeling I've not read the book, but I have a feeling that part of the book is probably handled significantly better because more time could have been spent yeah. there because that relationship right there is super fascinating. This guy who doesn't never feels enough because he's a poor man and she's a rich woman. And that is a fascinating and heartbreaking story to explore. And I almost felt like they should have cut that because if you're not going to spend the time to explore this, don't even like, don't even touch on it. But I've learned later that the reason they decided to do this was to set up the second movie, which she plays a much bigger Mm. role in. And the whole sort of divorce uh, aspect is a big part of it, which you, you don't know going into this movie unless you've read the book. Yeah, so I it mean, just feels sort of tacked on. Yeah, if you're if you're looking at this as like a singular movie. Right. And then like I also I also felt weird that she brought her grandmother to the wet like to the wedding. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it was that weird cuz she was, you know, she was like, "Oh, how can I show up without my husband?" But like right. it's interesting that she would go to her grandmother. Yeah. That I thought that was interesting. I mean, they they established the whole like, "Oh, we're a very tight-knit family." Right. But I don't know. It was like that. I don't know. I, I don't know why I found that weird. But it was like a big, like, yeah. when she walked in with her grandmother, yeah. it was like a. I'll be interested thing. to see that character develop more yeah. in the second movie. Uh, I, I like that character a lot. The, this idea of this super, like, uh, um, you know, heartfelt and lovely human being who comes from this super rich family and how she sort of lives in that world is super fascinating and interesting to me, but it, it just felt that whole subplot. I was like, I almost, it almost doesn't even need to be here. Like we could have used that time to spend more time with uh, Nick, to spend more time with Constance to build those uh, plot points of, of struggle, you know, to really uh, drive home this movie. But, but again, small criticisms. I do like the way that they handled Eleanor's story a little bit. 
Like, I like the fact that Eleanor had this, like, they had this mo had this moment with um, Kanzu's character, Rachel, where she was like, I've never been the favorite, you know, I wasn't the first or the second choice. Like, they didn't want to give me the family ring. Like, I've already been through all of this, and I know right. you're not cut out for it. Right. And I thought that was a very interesting scene. That, that was one of the best scenes of the movie and it's yeah. so heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking it's so and it's it's really i don't know it that is like that those are the gut moments that i wish this movie had more of um but again i don't think that's what this movie is trying to be yeah. i don't think that's what the novel is even trying to be or what these movies are um I, I sort of wish we explored more on, uh, you know. Oh, okay, hold on. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. We So, Olivia just read this article uh, explaining the ending of this movie, the Mahjong scene, which I have no idea how to play Mahjong. So, when I was watching this, I was super confused. And once Olivia explained it to me, I was like, I am so stupid. Why didn't I get that? But that, to me, that made the movie significantly better and it's really oh, yeah. explained Eleanor's choice a little bit more but I still to be perfectly honest I still don't quite uh, believe that Eleanor would have made that choice and I feel like we should that's why I want more of those beats to spend more time with Eleanor to see that decision making um, but the explanation of that scene that she had this piece that either she could have used to win the game but she discarded it uh, so Eleanor could win um which, you know, it correlates to Nick's decision and her choice to not accept Nick's initial proposal um, because either way he was going to lose and she was going um, to exactly. She made a self-sacrifice so exactly. that he could move on exactly. with his life and keep his family and exactly. not resent them. And I thought that was, I thought that was a that great, was awesome. I thought that was a great scene because yes. at the end she just does the mic drop. She's like, all of your future happiness is because yeah. of yeah. a yeah. low class, born to a single mother, right? Like American, yeah. And you're gonna have to deal with that, yeah. for the rest of your life, yeah. And I, I, I was like, that is such a mic drop. Yeah, that was great. That was a. Uh, amazing amazing scene that's such a good scene yeah i'm glad we looked it up before we i know me too me too well it, it's so funny because now that i'm thinking back to it i'm like how did i not read it that way the first time i saw it because it makes so much more perfect sense uh, but i think i was just so involved in trying to figure out this mahjong game i was like i have no idea uh, what's going on no that's here. definitely how I, especially after that last line it's definitely how i read it where she was just like i i didn't I love the parallels to the Mahjong game now that I understand it. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know that I definitely thought that throughout the entire game, I would like the entire thought throughout the game was all right. I knew she was going to say no to the initial proposal. They didn't really show her saying anything. So. I, oh, you went in thinking she said no. Interesting. Yeah, I did go in thinking I did she not. said no. I and, did not. Oh, interesting. So, I was totally shook. I was like, what? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I went in. Being I, like, I almost want to say I would have loved this movie more if she would have said no and it would have ended this way. I would have been like, that is such a ballsy fucking. <laughs> move <laughs> i would have been like god damn that's yeah, dark i love that yeah but it's a yeah. wrong come exactly it's not happy ending. no exactly 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 um i also thought that proposal scene was super cute it was it was fine 
It was fine. Not top 10 proposal scenes. I mean, in no, the world. it wasn't. But top 10 wedding scenes, I got to say. Top 10 wedding Again, scenes. Again, that oh, wedding man. scene, amazing. Amazing. Also, that wedding was crazy. Like, the way that aisle flooded. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was, I was wild. I was about to, I was about to cry. I was about to cry that theater into a puddle. Like, <laughs> I, I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I was way too emotional about it. I was like, and you barely know these characters too. Like, cause yeah. it's not their wedding. <laughs> uh, but it's just the, the love. It was just oh, man. Uh, so beautiful. I love did. It. I did like the chicken through line through the wedding. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> that was great. Uh, wow. What, what, what a, a movie. What a great, great movie. And I, I, am, I highly recommend it if you just want to brighten up your day a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to the spoiler part of this podcast and you've not seen this movie, uh, what are you doing? Number yeah, one, I know. What are you doing? We told you. Yeah, we told you. What are you doing? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, I love love this movie. Uh, cannot wait for the sequel. I'm, I'm excited. I'm hyped. I, I'm hyped to see. And I hope they... Um, More Constance Wu movies, please. Exactly. Exactly. And I hope it sort of opens the doors. And, you know... Our friends were talking about this, and it's like, even you know, even if this wasn't a success, um, it it is still a blessing that it even happened in the first place. But that it is a success only makes things easier, and that is great too. You know what I mean? Like that is fantastic. That this being a success can't does not allow Hollywood to use the old excuse of uh, ethnic movies don't sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and what's like so we great. and that's the thing we. I feel like people of color just across the board have been say, like have been beating that drum it makes for no such a long time. Like it makes zero sense. I mean Fast and Furious. Come on, y'all. I know. Come on. Also, like black and Latinx populations are the biggest movie going populations. Like right. those Absolutely. are the people that go watch movies. Absolutely. Guys. Absolutely. It's <laughs> it, and it's like, uh, maybe if you make great movies like Crazy Rich Asians, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like if you gave them a chance, it's it's just great that it, it was success. Give them good scripts. Give them good parts. Yep. Give them interesting characters. Exactly. Give them lovable characters. Exactly. That's why. Um, it. That's why. Again, it's not really about the movie, because you know the movie's great, but it's not about the movie. It's, it's about the, the movement. Exactly. Exactly. Um. All right. That has been our spoiler-filled review of Crazy Rich Asians. Love it. Love it. Go watch it. Go see it if you haven't. Um. And that has been our show for the week. As always, you can listen to. Uh, our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, but especially on iTunes, leave us a review. Really, really means a lot to us. And follow us on our social media at Minority Pod. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.